Welcome into the Paul Farrington Show. Paul joined alongside Robert Ziggy Ziegler at the University of Virginia. The Lions, Ziggy, the Detroit Lions are going to the NFC Championship game. You know, we have a lot of friends who are Lions fans and they've been waiting their entire lives for a moment like this. They've never, you know, this is unprecedented territory for them. Uh, we'll, we'll shout out Tom Monroe again, our friend. Six straight shows now. Uh, him and the other Lions fans we know are celebrating as much as they can tonight because they are one win away from the Super Bowl with a 31-23 win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Ziggy, we were talking about this right before we hopped on. The job that Brad Holmes, Dan Campbell, this whole Detroit Lions organization has done over the past few years to take a perennial loser in the Lions and bring them to this point is just unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, Sheila Ford Hamp took over this team in 2020. After that season, they had one tough year. They went, what, 3-12-1, something like that, 3-13-1. And, and then they went 9-8, and eight, and now they're playing for the freaking Super Bowl, just about. They're playing for the NFC Championship just two years after a horrible season. You know, they've managed their off-seasons well. You know, some of the players who people weren't super excited about them taking, you know, they got a lot of complaints for taking Brian Branch and Jamar Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs, excuse me, including from people like us. The Lions do things their own way. And so far, it seems like they've got a team that is ready to play. And it's brought them all, one of the most successful Lions seasons of all time. You know, you know, look, look, you guys, I know you guys didn't like the Jameer Gibbs pick. You're anti-running back, but I loved it in the time. If you're that all in on a player, and he really took over down the stretch of this game here. Jameer Gibbs was great, but Jared Goff, you know, he's the story. His turnaround taking down his former team in the wild card round. And now to have, I said to my dad to have the the stadium Ford field chanting your name. You no, know, it's a great, it's just awesome for Jared Goff who has had an up and down career here, but is having one of the better seasons of his career in Detroit right now. Um, but yeah, you look back over the draft classes here. I said this a couple of shows ago, but Jameer Gibbs, Jack Campbell's Laporta, Brian branch this year, Aiden Hutchinson, the year before Penny Sewell, this Detroit team, really is homegrown in addition to bringing in Jared Goff, you know, another outcast at the time coming from the Rams. It's easy to support this team, but you have to look at the way that that they've approached this thing. Is It's been patience, really, because you said just a few years ago, that record was not too hot, um, but they've nailed most of their draft picks and they've built a culture there that is unlike anything Lions fans have seen in three decades. Um, so, so great for them. I just want to talk about the game a little bit with you. You go and look at the drive charts here for the Lions. The offense really took over in the second half. They uh, they punted on their first possession, but from then on out, touchdown, 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 that one punt towards the end, and then the end of game. Uh, was a, a really impressive end to this for me for Detroit. Was uh, I think that third and 15 on the touchdown drive to give the Lions a two-touchdown advantage, I tweeted it out. It might be the biggest throwing catch the Lions have seen in 30 years. Yeah, I mean, this is always how it had to be for the Lions to win yeah. this game, right? The Buccaneers offense is explosive. When you've got Baker Mayfield making big plays to guys like Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, you're going to need the offense to step up. And Ben Johnson and the offense had a slow start to the first half. But you saw what this Lions team is capable of, of what they were able to do in the second half. And they were just firing on all cylinders. Right, Whether you've got Amon Ross St. Brown making big catches, whether it's Sam Laporta 
bowling guys over, whether it's Jameer Gibbs getting a 20, 30 yard run. It feels like whenever you need it, everything was going right for this team. And it's exciting to see that the offense is capable of doing that because they're certainly going to need performances like that to continue. On the other side, you know, when they really needed big plays, C.J. Gardner-Johnson and Derek Barnes both were able to get big interceptions. Barnes getting the one that sealed the game, Gardner-Johnson a little bit earlier. But their ability to generate pressure, generate turnovers, there were a whole lot of sacks, there were a whole lot of pressures. It was a complete performance from the Lions. Yeah, they had four sacks on the day. Aiden Hutchinson was getting back there a lot. It was kind of weird. They were talking about on the broadcast. There were a few plays where people were just running in unmanned into the Tampa Bay backfield. Um, but the Lions were able to take advantage of that. You know, shout out to to Frank Ragnar, who got a lot of commentary during the broadcast today. But that performance from him going up against Vita Vea with the with the injuries he had, you could see the look of anguish on his face half the time he was walking off the field. That's the kind of performance you need to get to an NFC championship game. And it, it was gutsy. It was, you know, it, it reminded me of what Dan Campbell's built here, the toughness that Detroit has right now. And you said it before, they're going to need it going into San Francisco. It's it, This is a great time for Lions fans right now. I'm not super confident that they're going to be able to hang in there with the 49ers, especially because San Francisco should be on guard more than, more than ever following a, a sluggish start and, Ultimately, what I thought was a, a pretty fortunate win against the Packers just last night. When you look ahead to this Lions 49ers matchup, are you expecting uh, Detroit to go in there and, and give the 49ers a good game? I I don't want to make firm predictions yet because my gut's telling me the Lions are going to win that game. And I need to do some research to back really? that up. But here is the formula <laughs> for beating the 49ers that we have seen over and over again. I mean, I say over and over again, we've seen it a couple times this season, but almost every game that they lose or play close is the same formula. You need an explosive running game. Lions have that. You need people that can pressure Brock Purdy. The Lions have that. You need players who can generate turnovers. We saw this game. The Lions certainly have that. So I would not, I think people are going to count this team out. They're going to say, look, it's the 49ers. You know, the 49ers have more talent. They've got a million all pros. The Packers played the 49ers really close and frankly should have won. And this Lions team, I think, has substantially more talent at almost every position than the Packers. There's a decent chance, I think, that this Lions team upsets the 49ers. So I definitely think we're going to get a good game. Wow. Okay. Yeah, you're you're right. I'm expecting most people throughout this week to have San Francisco winning heavy. And don't don't you just yeah. Well, don't you just know the Lions are going to love that? Right. Dan Campbell is going to take out a boom box or whatever and put on every single person saying the Lions have no chance. You know, they're going to get manhandled by the 49ers. The 49ers are more physical. They're bigger. They're stronger. And that's that's what the Packers with the run game, as you mentioned, they had a lot of success with Aaron Jones last night. There might not be, uh, you know, there aren't many rushing attacks better than the two headed monster Gibbs and Montgomery that Detroit boasts as long as that offensive line is healthy going into the game I expect them to lean heavily on those two in in the contest and we'll see you know ultimately it's going to come down to to Jared Goff playing the way he did today and uh, not making mistakes those two picks from Jordan Love are what cost the, the Packers last night it's it's a team you can't make too many errors against but it'll be fun I I mean everyone's expecting or most people maybe not you will be expecting San Francisco to win but this Detroit story is just, 
it's just unbelievable that the Lions are potentially playing for a Super Bowl. And I mean, Ford Field, I, I you know, credit to them. The past two games, that atmosphere that they've provided has just been raucous. It looks so much fun to be in that stadium today. And and they deserve it. You know, after 30 years, they I they I think they were a, played a big part in both of the wins. Uh, real quick, we can hit on the Buccaneers for just a second. You have to give a lot of credit to the Bucs, a season where they were expected to be a bottom five, bottom 10 team in the NFL. Uh, and not, Jack, not bottom five, not bottom 10, bottom three. Yeah, bottom three. Uh, they were from from the win-loss projections. You know, Jack on our show predicted the Bucs to win the division. We we were saying during the game, or I know you texted him, Jack, I was so wrong. I'm so sorry. Um, but Baker did a great job coming in this year. We'll talk a lot more about the future of him in Tampa Bay, but you know, a great a great season for the Bucks that ultimately comes up just eight points short there. And uh the NFC South is not looking good right now. So they might be right back here again next season. I mean, Anything, I think uh, there's a good chance they will. Baker Mayfield has played himself into a starting quarterback job. He threw for four thousand yards, twenty-eight touchdowns, ten interceptions. And in this game, I get that Baker Mayfield, he had some bad interceptions. He made the last play of the game. That's going to be what sticks out to people. Yeah. But you have to keep in mind, in a year when the Buccaneers had maybe the worst run game in the entire league, Baker Mayfield reinvented himself and showed the kind of player he can be when he's healthy. I don't know whether he's going to stick with the Bucs or go somewhere else, but Baker Mayfield has shown he is clearly a starting NFL quarterback. Is he, and I know we don't want to jump too far into this, but is he someone that you would be confident in if you were cheering for a fan base? Because I, I would not, I know he played really well, but Baker doesn't feel like to me that someone going into a season I'd be super pumped up about bringing in if if we got, if we t- took him in this offseason. Yeah, I mean, Baker Mayfield, I don't think is the kind of player you want to be the quarterback of your franchise forever. But say you draft a rookie and you're looking for a guy who the rookie can sit behind for a few weeks or even a season. Yeah. Yeah. Say you're one of those teams that are out there where you're just not sure what you want to do at quarterback and you want a stopgap option. You know, Baker Mayfield, he only made a few million dollars this year. Yeah. If he's a guy that you want to offer, say, a couple years, 30, 35 million a year, I think that is a very reasonable deal. Because you look at the kinds of players who have gotten so deals long. like that. Like, I'd rather have Baker Mayfield than Daniel Jones. I'd rather have Baker Mayfield than Derek Carr. I'd rather have Baker Mayfield than Geno Smith or Jimmy G. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I so I get where you're coming there's from. There's definitely going to be a market there, and you're going to see bidding for this guy. And I mean, look, here's the thing. The Buccaneers are one of the lowest talent teams in the NFL, just like as a total. I mean, there's they're certainly good players on the team, but we're not talking about the 49ers here. And they beat the Eagles in the playoffs. They played very close of the Lions, who have a chance of going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, no, no. I mean, they they had a great season. They they performed way above expectations. And when you look at the team, there is some great talent. I mean, Mike Evans was just unbelievable today. Most of the year, he was great. Um, continues to do it. You know, it was is this tenth season now. Um, one of the more underrated players in the league somehow. But well, yeah, we'll see what Tampa Bay winds up doing. If they do look for a new quarterback, I can see that. You know, they're they don't feel like they don't feel like they're that close to to winning right now, despite how far they got this season. But you, maybe you do run it back. You bring in some more guys and then contend in a weak NFC South. We'll talk a lot more about that in the we'll, coming we'll, weeks. We'll talk here. about it in our off season show. 
Yeah, yeah, because yeah. they've got, you know, Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans, Antoine Winfield, all upcoming free agents, big decisions to make in Tampa. You know, Ziggy, if you're a Bills fan tonight, you got to be thinking, we finally had our chance. We're the number two seed. We get these guys at home. Baltimore looks really good, but we should finally be able to knock off the team that continuously beats us in the playoffs. You know, our our, our own little demon here in Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and at the end of the game, you know, Tyler Bass misses the kick. <laughs> and next thing you know, Isaiah Pacheco runs for a first down. Game's over. And uh, the Bills are going home once again at the hands of the Kansas City Chiefs. But when me and you talked about this game just before starting, we both felt that Kansas City really controlled this game despite the score, despite the situation at the end. I look back on it and I see uh, Nicole Hardman fumbling out of the end zone. I see... Uh, a very fortunate fumble recovery for Buffalo on that final drive where Bass missed the kick. You know, several instances where Buffalo made mistakes and was able to recover from them. Uh, and and Kansas City could have blown this thing open at the end, but in the end, still they're unable to do it. It felt like finally this would be the chance, but not quite so. Yeah, ask Bills fans. There was. If there was any phrase that could be more devastating for Bills fans than 13 seconds, it was wide right. Yes. And (laughs) history repeated itself, admittedly, in a little bit of a smaller moment, but not a whole lot. I don't think Bills fans are going to be feeling good about this one. And I think this game, as he said, Paul, the Chiefs were really in control for a lot of the game. And I think this tells you just how hard it is for the Bills to execute the sort of conservative game plan they often seem to want to run. Because they were pretty good at running the ball, right? High success rate, relatively efficient running. But what mattered in this game, the plays that made a difference, weren't getting a few yards on a run. It was Josh Allen on the deep pass. And sometimes those work out, and sometimes they don't. And tonight, for whatever reason, Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs were just not on the same page. And that is what made the Buffalo Bills go home. Yeah, the... And I, I don't want to make it sound like the Bills, you know, we, we don't think the Bills got crushed or anything. Like it was a great game back and forth. And when these two teams meet up, it just seems like it's an instant classic waiting to happen. Um, there are very few rivalries in the NFL, you know, right now, let alone, you know, in, the, in its history that has had so many great playoff matches like Chiefs and Bills. Um, so don't don't let us make it sound like the Bills, you know, weren't in this game. They obviously could have had could have had a chance to win it at the end. They had lots of chances they were, to win. Yeah. Oh, I thought they were going to get in the end zone there. Um, this was a great game. It wasn't Chiefs domination. It's just Kansas City had some chances to really take control where they were unable to. Uh, but you talk about Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. You know, Stephon Diggs is someone who, as Vikings fans, we've seen a lot of his career. And even when he went on to Buffalo, you monitor it. He's one of my favorite players. He's one of my brother's favorite players growing up. Uh, just a dominant receiver. And the way that he faded during this season and even tonight that deep ball when Allen took his shot in the late in the mid mid fourth quarter around then that the Stefan Diggs I know comes down like that and I'm not quite sure what wound up going on throughout this season we know preseason there was so much drama I don't know if it's Stefan just getting a little bit older but there's definitely there's definitely a lack of that true number one receiver that he's been for the Bills for so many years and I, I think that played a big part in their loss when they weren't able to get anything going offensively, it ultimately came down to Kincaid or James Cook, the two guys that we mentioned being X factors having to make a play. Um, you know, Shakir also made a few, but I don't know. Did, did you see anything during the season? I'm trying to think like what could possibly have led to this digs 
fall off. No, I think it's a little bit strange that people are talking like this is sudden. Stefan Diggs has had a long, bad stretch. You know, the last yeah. time he went over 100 yards was October 15th against the Giants. Since November yep. 13th, he's gone over 50 yards twice. And I think some of it has to be he turned 30 years old this season, right? And the fact is not everyone – as many times as there are players who are able to age really well, you know, Devontae Adams stands out as a player who keeps getting older and oh, keeps yeah. staying elite. Amazing. It is incredibly hard to play in the NFL into your 30s. So I think some of it has to be age. Some of it might just be a lost connection. You know, as magical as connections are, they also can magically disappear. The chemistry between Allen and Diggs just isn't there. And I think... I have to place some of it on bringing in a new offensive coordinator. You know, the offense has changed a little bit, you know, not a ton, but they do things a little bit differently as you always are when you bring in a new coordinator. Right. And Stefan Diggs is fading fell in at about the time the coordinator change happened. Yeah. So, so maybe that was a, it could, could also be a reason we don't know behind the scenes, who knows what's, what's going on, but Stefan Diggs falling off certainly didn't help the case for the Buffalo Super Bowl run. Uh, now let's focus on Kansas City. I mean, these, you know, the winners here, hopefully the people watching this are a lot of Chiefs fans. I look at this team right now. We talked about whether or not they are more dangerous than they've been all year at this very moment. And after watching tonight, I think the answer is obviously yes. The, the offense finally looked back in rhythm over the past couple of weeks. You know, they've been struggling all season, but then tonight... You see a great performance from Travis Kelsey. You see Isaiah Pacheco. Some of that jersey toughness. Dude, I, I love this guy. The Chiefs teams in the past, when they were going on all these Super Bowl runs before, we always talked about the explosive offense. How you know how they would go and score 30-something points per game. Mahomes and the air raid. But this team now, defense, tough. That's their identity. They're physical. And Isaiah Pacheco has brought that to the offense where we haven't seen it before. And now they're able to pound out games that they need to. Remember, right before the McCole Hardman fumble, it was an Isaiah Pacheco nearly 30-yard run that set them up there. This is someone that they can lean on at the end of games, and it's going to be someone they need to go into Baltimore against a super physical Ravens defense. You know, The back end, that secondary is very good. They're going to need Isaiah Pacheco in this. I think he might actually be their best playmaker right now. Would you agree with that? Yes, I absolutely do. I'm willing to say this after a whole lot of time with the Chiefs offense not quite looking right. I'm going to put my foot down. The Chiefs offense is back. This is Patrick <laughs> Mahomes' best game of the whole season. It was the offense's best game of the whole season. As you say, Pacheco was a huge part of that. But so too was Travis Kelsey and his two touchdowns on five receptions. Oh, yeah. Right? Everything looked... That connection looked back. Velda Scantling had one of the best catches of his entire career yep. right when the Chiefs need it. A uh, Christian Kirk type contract might be coming in for him just because of that catch. But, I mean, it was a great game for the Kansas City Chiefs offense. And as you say, Baltimore is going to present a new challenge, right? But this is two weeks in a row they've gone against good defenses that have played pretty well in the Bills and Dolphins. Not like the best defenses in the NFL, but we're not Injury talking plate. about like yeah. – yeah, we're not talking about the Raiders or the Patriots or the Chargers defenses that the like the Chiefs are back. You know, we talk about Travis Kelsey here, and I think that's something that this Kansas City team, Kelsey coming on over the past few weeks, because, uh, you know, I pulled up his stats here. 
dude had disappeared midseason. He he had been gone, especially later in the year too. Before the playoffs, 28 yards, 44-16. It wasn't the Travis Kelsey that we were accustomed to seeing. You start hearing all the media outlets saying he's getting older, he's lost a step, and that may be true. But at the end of the day, this Kansas City team, what they have that the Baltimore Ravens don't have, that the Buffalo Bills don't have, the Miami Dolphins don't have, they have that championship culture, that championship mindset with them, where when you're watching that game, in the back of your head, most people are thinking, the Chiefs are going to find a way to win this. And, and you just know people, anyone listening, you know people growing up with that you hang out with now. It could even be playing a game of darts or you know something like that. There are certain people who you just think are going to win, who are going to step up in the big moment. And that's not to say Josh Allen you know, can't do that because he's he, the 13-second game, they should have won. This one drove down the field, came very close. But the Chiefs in the back of their minds always think they're going to win. They're always going to rise to the occasion, it feels like. And Kelsey did it tonight. You know, I'm sure if Mahomes had gotten the ball back, I would have loved to see him in a tie game go down the field. I was rooting for that at the end. I don't think you can underestimate or overstate how important that is going into an AFC championship game. No, and it's it is frankly unbelievable how Patrick Mahomes just seems to cruise to the conference championship <laughs> game every year. You know what the last conference championship game matchup without Patrick Mahomes was? Uh, it was 2016. Yeah, it was probably. Brady Bortles. Blake yeah. Bortles. 26, like, 2017? Yeah. Yeah. Or you look at since like the AFL-NFL merger. More, there have been 18 franchises that have qualified for fewer than six conference championship games. Patrick Mahomes has been to six in six years. Like we, we haven't seen somebody ever this consistent at winning. And you're right. That absolutely impacts how the team feels going into Baltimore, right? They're not going to be intimidated. They're not going to be scared. They're not going to be worried. They're going to think we're playing our best football of the year. Like we've planned it. We spent the whole regular season sort of troubleshooting on offense, trying to figure out how to make things work. We finally got the formula, right? Andy Reid, the mastermind, is just sitting back there coming up with stuff. Patrick Mahomes is finally clicking with the receivers when he needs to. And it's go time. You know, I was just thinking there, LeBron James, we've talked about his making 10 straight NBA finals. When you look at some of the more unbelievable streaks in the history of sports, basketball, it's easier to do that in basketball. Not to say 10 NBA finals in a row is not crazy because it is. But football is so different from basketball because in basketball, you could have one or two guys who can really take over a game and just you know dominate for a long time. In the NFL, the one thing we always talk about, every show talks about, every fan talks about it, going into the season, it's always a possibility that it could be your year. There's always a new team rising up. There's teams falling off. That's what makes football the best of all the sports is that anybody can win any given year. It's any given Sunday. You know That's where the saying's from. But with Patrick Mahomes, that's the exception right now in this Chiefs team where they are the one team that you can look back over the past six years every single time they are there. And that to me, we can can talk about this forever. It's so incredible. I don't want to just sit here gassing it up. But just think about that six straight years. We're Vikings fans. The NFC championship seasons that we've had are my favorite football seasons ever. In 2017, you know, 2009, I don't remember 1998, but those are years that we talk about like uh, you know, special, special seasons. To think that this fan base, and Chiefs were starved for a long time of success, but six years in a row is, is just yeah. unbelievable. 
Yeah, the only team or organization that has done this before, gone to six or more straight conference championships, 2011 to 2018 Patriots. That's it. Yeah, I, I view it similarly. I view the Chiefs a little bit like the Patriots, whereas as Vikings fans, I don't like anyone in the NFC. Straight up. You know, I don't root for any NFC team, basically, because at some point or another, they've done something to the Vikings to piss me off. But I always viewed Brady as, you know, Go take care of the team that I dislike. Go go handle the Seahawks. Go handle, I was hoping, the Eagles. The Chiefs are starting to become that where it's, okay, just take care of the team. You know, I, I don't really have too much against the Lions. 49ers are kind of annoying. But you know, they seem to be like the team that I, I can turn to and say, hey, take care of these teams that the Vikings can't. It's a uh, an unbelievable run in Kansas City right now. And I, I think I think they're going to give Baltimore a really good game. People yeah, it, think that the Ravens are going to roll, but I, I'd be no, stunned. The Ravens are opening at three-point favorites at home. And here's something to keep in mind. The Chiefs just faced the second-best dual-threat quarterback in the NFL in Josh Allen. And we're able, you know, I mean, Josh Allen put up three touchdowns, right? One passing, two rushing. He had a very good game. But the, great. Bill, but the Bills had zero plays over 20 yards compared to eight from the Chiefs, right? They were able to limit the explosiveness and eventually grind them out. The Chiefs are going to try and do the same thing against Lamar Jackson. Will they? We'll see. We'll talk about it in our game previews coming up to this week, and we'll see when it's played out next week. But the fact that they were able to do it against Josh Allen means there's a good chance they can do it against the Ravens, too. You could tell from the beginning of this game, too, that Patrick Mahomes was locked in. As soon as I walked out, we finished our recording. I came out. My dad said, Mahomes is on tonight. And we're going to have to see if that happens against Baltimore. I know Ravens fans have been coming at us for a while saying we never picked them. This, that, that's a really good team in Baltimore. That's probably the most complete team in the NFL. Really no holes on that roster. It's going to be a tough one for Mahomes and Kansas City to win, especially when you consider like, what has Baltimore done to good teams this year? You know, blew out the Lions. Them. Think about the teams that are left in the in the playoffs. Blew out the Lions. Blew out the 49ers. You know, they beat the Rams, another playoff team. They they crushed Miami. Half of the playoff teams have been annihilated by Baltimore this season. It's uh it is a tough task, but it's gonna be really fun to see the king of the AFC go on and take Lamar Jackson and the Ravens on the AFC championship game. Gonna be a great, great game. Um you got any closing thoughts here on this you want to say? I I think you're right in saying it's a great game. I'm really excited for both of the matchups we're going to have next week in the conference championships, both Lions 49ers and Ravens Chiefs. But certainly if I had to circle just one game, and really this is the game I've wanted to see all season if things could click for the Chiefs, an on-fire Chiefs offense with an effective defense versus the Ravens on-fire defense and effective offense. Strength on strength on strength on strength. It's going to be a great one. It's it's awesome. the The AFC playoffs. You know, the NFC has been really good. You've had some some of the best games, but man, the the AFC quarterback matchups that we've had, we've been really spoiled here. It's gonna it's gonna be a great great night or a great Sunday, really. Um, all right, we will be back probably Tuesday with a full episode, more of a divisional breakdown, a bigger reaction with Jack and Zach on, and then. Uh, you know, we turn our attention to the championship games and we'll see who's going to the Super Bowl. We'll have a lot more coming up. Appreciate everyone who's listening. Please remember to like, comment, and subscribe. And we will see you later.